Welcome to the Winsome Conviction Podcast. My name is Tim Yohoff. I'm a professor of communication at Biola University in La Mirada, California. I get to, in addition to teaching classes, I get to be the co-director of this crazy idea called the Winsome Conviction Project. We're a five-year project. We're halfway through it. Uh, trying to bring people together to talk about their differences rather than just isolate from each other. I get to do that with a good friend, Dr. Rick Langer. Uh, Rick, great to be with you. Yeah, thanks, Tim. And we thought we'd do something kind of quick, simple, and practical. Uh, uh, what what I've affectionately called a field guide to winsome conversations at the holidays. Um, and of course, this would apply to a time other than the holidays too. But we tend to think about it more. And we are uh, right now as we're recording this, we're kind of in the election day actually, and are thinking ahead to, uh, you know, what, what's coming down the line in the next couple of months. A lot of times we spend time with family, and I have talked to a ton of people who have anxiety about having a conversation over a, a special meal at a Christmas party, whatever it might be, and saying, man, these things can go south in a hurry. And just before we jump in to offer our thoughts, I just want to do like a quick disclaimer. Some of you might be thinking, it must be so easy to live with Tim and Rick. Co-directors of Somehow the- I doubt people think that, but go ahead. I'll, I'm with you. I'm working with you on this, Tim. You just roll, baby. Of the Winsome Conviction Project. My wife and I speak at marriage conferences. I remember one time, Rick, uh, Noreen had spent the entire weekend listening to me talk about marriage. And so as we were leaving the conference, I took her hand and I just said, hey, I'm really sorry. I do like half of everything I say up there. And Noreen looked at me. She said, half? <laughs> So we're going to do a disclaimer, and that disclaimer is, guys, we struggle with this just as much as you do. Uh, I remember a couple Christmases ago, uh, Noreen had to walk outside and just look at me like, Tim, have you lost your mind? What are you doing? And And so I just want to say that, that we believe everything we say and have written but we are with you in the trenches. This is really hard to actually be winsome and to speak truth and love. We just wanted to kind of get that out there before we offer some thoughts. And we're, we're speaking to ourselves just as much as we're speaking to anybody else. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk some about kind of strategies for having conversation, kind of the conversational issue itself. But we're also going to do a, a, a separate shorter podcast as well on kind of the spiritual side of this. Mm-hmm. What are things that we need to do in our relationship with God? What perspectives do we cultivate theologically that might help us be able to have healthy conversations? So that's kind of the two goals. Let's just begin with some thoughts about making uh, conversations go better at, uh, at, at the holidays. And let me just give you one thought that hit me immediately, uh, was that for people not to feel guilty about not having a conversation at the holidays. In other words, we, we know they have somebody have this issue with and you just feel like, you oh, we have to talk about it. And, you know, it's important to have conversations and to make peace with others. But I do want to point out with most of these things, there's good times, better times, really bad times. There's any variety of times to have these conversations. And I worry when people feel they just go, oh, I'd feel so guilty if I didn't talk to, to John about this here because I know this is an issue or whatever. And to stop and say, is that because you're feeling guilty or is that because you truly believe this is the best time for him to actually hear and understand your perspective on the issue? And I think a lot of times when you frame it that way, you're sitting there, you, you suddenly have a picture of the turkey dinner or the uh, sitting around the Christmas tree and you're like, I know this won't be the best time for him to hear it. 
then it's like you should probably seek another time where it might be a little bit better. So to just give a little bit of an option for a breathing room and, and to, to not feel compelled. And there might even be a great communication theory reason for not tackling those potentially hot-button topics. Uh, we talk about communication climates. Right now, um, it's raining outside. So there have been times people have done live podcasts <laughs> on our campus outside under the bells. In, in the rain. Yeah. And guess what? The climate will not allow for it right now. So the good news about human climates, they're not like the weather. We can actually do something about it. And one of the things when we think about communication climates is positive deposits. So if you think about your climate, and we can go into more detail in a second, but if you think, man, my climate is not great with this relative who's coming over, like we, it goes south pretty quick. When we talk, well, what a great time during Thanksgiving, let's say, or Christmas, that you just focus, uh, focus on the positives, right? You speak life into that relationship. Now is not the time to offer negative critique, but rather positives. Uh, John Gottman, a, a person we have often mentioned on the show, says a healthy communication climate is really comes down to a very simple ratio, and that is five positive interactions for every one negative. And, yeah. and I, a lot of us can think of, man, I do the exact opposite. Yeah, it feels natural to do the exact opposite. Yeah, I mean, I do five negatives and maybe I, I get to the one positive. Well, Gottman says you need to flip that. So guess what? In the Mealhoff household, we have a tradition, Rick. Come Thanksgiving, we watch the Detroit Lions lose. Well, that's good because it's good to have consistent, yes. predictable things. You don't have to wonder what's going to happen this year. Yep. That's good. And Go ahead. We, and then we medicate with food. <laughs> that's what we do. But you know what? There's something in the misery that's kind of bonding. And, and, and it's good to see people you haven't seen in a long time. So I would say heading into this holiday, uh, I would think about the five-to-one ratio. By the way, yeah. even if you're going to tackle a topic – I would still, in the back of my mind, be thinking, as we're talking about this topic, am I making sure to affirm this person? Like, I appreciate how much you think about this issue. I appreciate all the research you've done about this issue. I love the fact that, that you're not afraid to talk about these. I mean, th those are all positives, and I just listed three. You've got two more before, uh, before what could be perceived as a negative. So I think Gottman is brilliant in this issue, and it's a really good reminder that maybe I'm just going to take this whole holiday and do positives. Yeah, it's actually great, almost like a slogan, you know, the holidays are time for deposits. I'm going to make deposits into the relational bank account during this yeah. time. And I may have to make some withdrawals over the course of the rest of the year, but let this be a season for making deposits. And if a conversation comes up, like let's say it just it's right there, it's been brought up, and you're talking to a particular person, I think I might do something like this. Hey, listen, we both deeply care about politics, okay? And I, I, I could talk about this all day. I don't know if this is the best place to do it, but let's do this. Let, let's set up a Zoom meeting. Like yeah, in a couple we weeks, let's do this. I, I like that for a couple of reasons. One, that probably isn't the best setting. I mean, it's just hard to control the environment, people right. coming and going. Yep. And somebody, you, you know that relative, they pop their head in, throw a verbal hand grenade, <laughs> and leave. That's probably not great. And then we're going to do another podcast about preparing for the conversations. That gives you two, three weeks to actually prepare to have that Zoom meeting. Um, and, and let me just speak from personal experience. Um, so I, I have a, a relative, love him to death, deeply respect him. 
but you could not find two people more distant when it comes to politics. So, Rick, we, um, during the holiday, actually tried to have the politics conversation, and that's when, honestly, Noreen came out and just looked at me like, <laughs> oh, my what gosh, Tim, this can't be going well. So guess what we did? I felt really bad, and I, I reached out to him and apologized, and then we did set up a Zoom meeting. We did it one month later, and I really prayed about it, thought about it, and uh, we both apologized to each other. And then, honestly, Rick, we had a pretty good conversation because I think we both were really on guard. We were doing the five-to-one ratio, and yeah. I think that was good. So so I, I like the idea of postponing the conversation till we have a better communication environment. And I just don't know if Christmas and Thanksgiving, because the stress already is heightened, that might not be the best environment to try to have those kind of conversations. So here's another thought that comes to my mind is to to come with a plan for alternative conversations or create structures. You talk about other things, not just the contested things, because the, there's a famous saying that nature abhors a vacuum. <laughs> uh, things always get filled in. Well, if you don't have anything to talk about, people are going to drift into predictable gutters, and oftentimes these become the volatile issues. So let me just spew out a couple of thoughts I had when I was thinking about this of things that you could do to – to structure a conversation. And um, some of these things are kind of the obvious ones. Um, have people sharing things that they're thankful for uh, from the past year. And by the way, on this, back to that issue of thinking a little bit ahead, you might want to give it a bit of structure. Thankful for what someone has done for you in the past year. Because a question like that can't be answered by saying, I'm thankful Donald Trump is being indicted, or I'm thankful that the Democrats lost the House, or what, you know, people yeah. who are bent that way can run with Thanksgiving, no problem. But it's different to stop and think, wait, who is a person who's done something for me that's particularly valuable? Depending upon their relationship and the people who are there, it could be even a person here now who's done something that you've really appreciated in the past year or something. Um, and that can give you, uh, you know, just a tiny bit of structure that's relatively natural over a, a Thanksgiving or even a, with, with Christmas. It doesn't have to be a Thanksgiving, but a gift a person has given you, a metaphorical sort of gift that's been a blessing to you in the past year. Yeah, and I love that, Rick. And again, this is where the, this is where the relative goes off-road and sticks in a political comment. That's where we need to practice bracketing. So I would bracket that. I, I wouldn't. Ah. I wouldn't chastise the person in front of everybody. I would simply say, "Listen, absolutely, politics is important, or theology is important, or that social issue is important." But right now, let's just kind of bracket that. Let's let's talk about what we're thankful and not get into that. And again, we we can do that later. But right now, let's just. Fo I would gently re-steer yeah. it. But we call that bracketing, which is everybody heard the comment. Don't comment on the comment. <laughs> Just simply say, hey, let's shift back to what we're trying to do. And I love that. I love making it a nice, tight prompt. I, I think it's a really good idea. Yeah. One thing we did one year, uh, and this was, we had a group where we had a bunch of people who were, uh, you know, adults. And we had kids probably from age five to probably going off to college. Mm. So pretty broad range in the family mix that we had at the Thanksgiving table. Pretty big group. Um, so the thing that we did was we made a Thanksgiving plate and we gave everybody a paper plate. It had a whole bunch of magazines and you just cut out pictures that you put on your plate, kind of like a collage That's of great. things that you were grateful for, things that you loved, you know, whatever positive things went on the plate. 
and then we could sit at the table and people could share their plate, something on their plate. Tell us a story, one of the things that's on your on your plate. And it became two two benefits to that. One is it was a thing that we're enabled us to have a good, long, far-reaching, positive conversation. And often those bits of pictures become contagious where other people say, oh, I love that too, or I had the same experience. And you get some momentum. The other thing, it was a really fun activity to do uh, C.S. Lewis talks about side-by-sideness of friendship, mm-hmm. and there's something mm-hmm. side-by-side of sitting down and doing an activity like that, and particularly when you have kids and parents together, it was a fun thing to do. There's a million activities like that out there, but this is one of those that helps you know, create some conversational momentum in a positive direction. Man, I really like that. Uh, that's really cool. Because the images can be fun. It made me think about that. No doubt, if we did that in my family, some people were picking some funny images. And that's just kind of the way my kids are wired. But don't minimize the rhetorical impact of humor. So you might want to actually set it up that way. Like one time we did this, Rick. um, What was your most humorous family memory that you can think of growing up in East Detroit. Oh, yeah. So, Rick, my, my mom is is not a seamstress. She has many gifts. Being a seamstress is not one of them. But she wanted to make three matching jumpers for me and my two older <laughs> brothers for a Easter celebration, and she was going to get a family photograph, and then she made the strategic mistake of sending us out to play before the photograph. Now, my grandfather uh, had a compost he did a lot of gardening. Oh, we didn't know what a compost was. <laughs> we saw a bunch of leaves, and my older brother said to me, and again, when your older brother says, do something, you do it. Sure. Right? He said, jump That's in always the, good advice. Jump into the leaves. So I did. Jumped in, went knee, <laughs> up to my neck, Rick, and you know what? Ken tried to help me, my middle brother. I pulled him in. Then it was almost like the Lord spoke to us, look to the window. And there was my mom <laughs> looking out the window with a knife in her hand. And I, we were like, or my grandfather, I'll never forget this. Uh, he stripped us off. Me and Ken is hosing us down. And he just burst out laughing. <laughs> so when we told that story, we were howling telling the story. So maybe a prompt that invites humor because yeah. humor has such a healing effect. And uh, I, I still remember doing that. That was years and years and years ago. But it really worked surprisingly well. My dad jumped in and told a story we had totally forgotten. So maybe a prompt that will evoke humor could be a really nice prompt as well. Yeah, that's great. And it's funny the things that work that way. I remember being at a Thanksgiving. We, this was probably one of I think we might have had 35 people at this. It was wow. you know, a whole pile of families and stuff like that. And the people at whose house were doing it, the gas oven didn't work it oh. it cut out mm-hmm. and so we had this you know debacle where we're cutting things off and trying to put them in this other smaller oven and all these sorts of things and it was just it became just it became entertaining to us mm. and this is one of those stories that we could tell again and again and it's funny it's interesting it was a common bond so anyhow thinking of some of those kind of things both putting off conversations that don't need to happen yeah. but also saying hey what can you proactively to make good conversations that are either meaningful or just as you mentioned light encouraging uh fun funny that build a certain sense of uh communication climate that might positive communication climate that might be missing otherwise yeah and and if you're struggling for the humor thing uh other people have done stuff so we're in a small group we're in a small uh, marriage group and sometimes we watch movie clips that mean a lot to us you could submit um something like 
think of a holly um, a holiday movie that just makes you laugh, right? So that could be the craziness that's happening uh, with a, a Tim Allen movie yeah. or something, and then just show scenes that just make you laugh based on the holidays. That could be another way to evoke humor because what we want is we want a sense of connection and we want to try to avoid the things that would test that connection. Now, a family can't live there perpetually. You can't keep putting away the things that divide you. That's called latent conflict and we know how devastating latent conflict is. But this is the communication climate part where build the climate up as much as possible, the strength of it, and then challenges to it can be better absorbed into the communication climate. So again, try, try to think of ways that this is going to be. Now, also, just realize this can all go south. And, and it, can, yeah. it can happen. And then just be adaptable. Like, don't throw your head, heads up, hands in the air and just say, well, then I'm just, just ticks me off. But that's going to be the spiritual preparation part that we'll eventually get to in another podcast. And one quick, let me just make a quick final note on this, because we don't want to take too long. We're looking forward to the holidays. And we are. We aren't thinking you're going to be there taking a massive pile of notes for uh, execution and all of this. But one final thought on this. Um, there's a tendency when a person speaks to feel obliged to speak back, and that often leads to the spiral that becomes toxic. So a couple of things that you might want to do is just to, to kind of recite to yourself, just because I heard something, that doesn't need to make me speak. Perhaps it could just make me think. And you could even convey that to say, hey, you know what you said? That really makes me think, and I'm just going to have to think about it some more before I really know what I want to say about that. And you could give a soft landing to what might have been a really harsh startup. Or depending on the person, and I'll let you fill in the blank because I'm sure you're thinking of some folks here that you would never want to say this to. But uh, curiosity is often a great cure for a harsh startup. So, wow, I never, I never thought about things that way. Why don't you tell me a little bit more about when you first started seeing things like that? Are there things that have particularly shaped your opinion? And it isn't a thing that stops the conversation in this case, but a thing that shifts the direction to more personal reflection on the part of the person than uh, antagonism towards the other side. They have to stop and think, yeah, well, I guess it was really my uncle who made me first see this, or it was a teacher mm, I had. Or, and you begin to just shift to telling stories as opposed to having the battles. So that's kind of perhaps a couple of management techniques that you might keep in your hip pocket. And keep in mind what the Proverbs say. The Proverbs have so much to say about this. And one proverb I like a lot is Proverbs 19.11. A person's wisdom yields patience. Here's the part I like. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. So again, you can only control yourself and maybe that uncle, aunt, relative you don't see very often says something in a very harsh way it is to your glory to overlook that offense. That's your opportunity your for glory. Opportunity for glory. So, uh, hey, just know Rick and I are in this all. We're in this with you. We're heading into our holidays just like you're heading into yours. And uh, we just thought we'd reflect a little bit on uh, ways to structure it uh, from a communication perspective. We're going to follow this podcast up with the spiritual preparation part. Because if there's one thing we've learned from the Winsome Conviction Project, we have to spiritually prepare for these types of situations. So uh, please check out our podcast anywhere you check out podcasts. If you want like a clearinghouse of getting all of our resources and thoughts, please go to winsomeconviction.com and you can get archived podcasts there as well. 
And we also have articles we've written, um, uh, sermons we've done, links to those. So please check it out, winsomeconviction.com. But as always, thank you and happy holidays.